Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We start the show with an important statement that, as a podcast, we feel necessary to make. Last evening, two members of the regular podcast channel received abusive messages containing false insinuations and even included a death threat. After much consideration with all regular members of the Last World of Spurs podcast throughout the day, we took the only action we felt we could and notified the appropriate authorities. Podcasts are supposed to be fun, both for our wonderful listeners and also for our presenters and panellists, and it was extremely concerning to receive the messages we did last evening. Therefore, we wish to re-emphasise that we will not accept any abuse towards anyone on our podcast. Thank you for your continued love and support for the show. Kane finds Lo Celso. who's so capable of magic, and he does just that. Son Heung-min with another goal. And Tottenham Hotspur make the breakthrough at St James's Park. A wonderful finish from the South Korean. It's Winks. Of Burbine. Looking for Kane, who's free! And there it is! 200 club goals for Harry Kane. He doesn't miss opportunities like that on his 350th. Club appearance, he nets goal number 200. That's threaded through by Kane for Lamella. Crafted well to get back, but Lamella still has it. And Kane will knock it into the back of the net. A double for Harry Kane. Joy mixed with pain for Harry Kane. But it's a double that will secure three points for Tottenham Hotspur. Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We hope you're keeping safe and well out there. We are back talking about another Tottenham win. That's a nice thing to say. Back-to-back wins for Tottenham Hotspur in the Premier League. And I've got a great panel to look back on that win against Newcastle United and previewing Leicester City to come on Sunday. So pleased to have back on this show one of Sky Sports' very own in Jamie Weir's back on the show. Jamie, how are you? I'm very well, Ricky. Good to be back. Good to talk about another win. The end of the um, the end of the curse for the for the blue kit, the third kit. We finally won a game in it. We did. We did. It's actually, you know, that's actually quite a big statement in itself to really get over that line from a mentality perspective. Even with all the VAR decisions that have gone against us, it's quite nice from the blue kit perspective. We've got over. 
that mental I know, stumbling. I love that kit. I uh, think it's a really nice kit. So I'm glad we finally won a game, isn't it? It's a shame, Jay, because the problem with that kit is now they can maybe try and flog a few before the new kits come out. Oh, they're, they're always looking to make some money, aren't they? <laughs> two for three, three for two. That's Tottenham for you, especially Daniel Levy, the bargain basement at the moment as we draw to the end of the season. And pleased to also have back on this show, we've got Jack from Lily White Rose. Jack, how are you? Evening, Ricky. You're all right. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. All the better, Jack, for back-to-back Premier League wins. I can't believe I'm saying that at the moment. It's a good feeling. Absolutely. Timed it absolutely perfectly. So, yeah, no, delighted to be back on. Thank you. Oh, pleased to have you here. Now, I'm also pleased to welcome a debutant to the show. I've been trying to get her on for the God last three, four months, and for whatever reason, this has not been able to happen. But we've finally got her in the house. DJ Amy Lauren is with us. Amy, how are you? Hey, hello. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Not bad, not bad at all. Delighted, Ames, to have you on to make your debut. And to be fair, back-to-back Premier League wins with Tottenham, you know this season, few and far <laughs> between. So, pleased to have you on. <laughs> oh, it's an honour to be on. How long have we been trying to make this happen? Know, right? And it's just not quite worked out. But we've done it. We've done it. And like Spurs, we have managed to secure it. So, that's a pleased <laughs> to have you on to make your debut hey. with us. Honestly, really, really pleased. So, you know Jamie, I'm going to start with you because Spurs now, we've won successive Premier League games for the first time since mid-December when we beat Burnley and Wolves in succession, finishing the season well. And as you mentioned, the blue third kick curse is finally broken. And what a difference yeah. five days can make. Only this club, you feel, Jamie, can do it to you. What was your thoughts on the game I mean, against Newcastle? It's, it's quite extraordinary. Yeah, well, first of all, if I go back to sort of six days ago, I mean, I watched that Bournemouth match. And I watched it with a couple of pals, and we were all saying, right, that's it, well, I'm done with this stuff now. I've just got no interest in watching I'm done with it. They've broken my heart too many times. I, yeah, I'm fed up with defending Mourinho. I'm fed up with defending the fact that, oh, just give him a pre-season and we'll see what happens. I'm done with them. Um, some pals invited me to play golf on Sunday, and I accepted it because I was like, I've got absolutely no interest in watching this North London derby at all. Zero interest in watching it. I stood in the first tee and said, uh, I'm not even going to bother checking the score. But of course... <laughs> We're all addicts, Ricky, aren't we? We are. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, we love them and hate them in equal measure. <laughs> so I was checking my phone every three minutes. And when we won, I thought, fantastic. I watched it in match of the day that night. I thought we played really well against Arsenal. And then yesterday, you know, again, at times it wasn't great to watch. But we wore Newcastle down. We took our chance as well. And you know what I think is a real positive is the fact that against um, Sheffield United, albeit it was disallowed by the worst VAR call ever, against Arsenal and against Newcastle, we've conceded and then scored within three minutes afterwards. And that shows the mentality that I think Jose Mourinho finally wants to get this, you know, that when something goes against us, we don't just roll over. We actually show some sort of fighting grit. So on all three of those occasions, as I said, albeit the, the one against Sheffield United wasn't allowed, but on all three occasions, we've actually responded quickly. And that gives me some hope going forward. You know, I, it's still difficult to get your head around Spurs being a side that have 35% of the possession rather than 65% of the possession. Um, and I still sort of long for that, those days of 2017, that last season at White Hart Lane, when everything was played, played at such pace. And we just we looked every single home game that season. We looked as if not only were we going to beat teams, but we were going to batter teams. And at the moment, it doesn't look as if we're going to absolutely slaughter teams. I never go into a game thinking, right, well, this, this will be an easy 4-0. But... Um, but it does, you know, I'm feeling a lot more positive than I was six days ago. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah, aren't we all? I think on the back of, like I say, those two results, the six days difference, five days difference, I think we all have a bit of positivity about us. And coming around to you, Jack, you know, a decent game for Mourinho, changed the system ahead of the first goal before two of his subs and the vital assist for Kane. Five goals since the blank at Bournemouth. 
also excellent, as I said, to see Spurs making substitutions that are with a difference. We saw both Bergwijn and Lamella assisting goals. 10 points from four games in 10 days. I mean, that's decent going, isn't it, anyway, Jack, from any kind of scenario that we've had so far? Like everybody, and like you've just said there, I mean, after the Bournemouth game, you know, I'm sure I threw my shirts in the bin and said, right, that's it, I'm not doing it again, and pulled them out, you know, after after I had the, you know, North London derby and whatever. But if you're right. If you look at our results over the past seven games, you know, since the restart, I mean, our format actually isn't too bad. We've won four games out of seven, which doesn't sound any great shakes, but actually that's one four. I think the fourth best in the league. We're only one point behind Man City in terms of that. We've kept three clean sheets in that time when, you know, in the previous 29 games or whatever, we couldn't keep a clean sheet for love, not, not, not money. So... I think that obviously the feeling is we're playing really badly and it's not pretty to watch. As Jamie says, you know, uh, it's been a few years since, um, you know, we've been in the minority in terms of possession and things like that. And it still doesn't feel like we're defending particularly well at times. And, you know, yesterday, again, we gave away a pretty soft goal. But actually, if you look at the form guide and you look at the results we're picking up, you can see some element of improvement. So, look, maybe it's just false hope after, you know, two quick wins or whatever. Um, but actually, it probably is a lot better than how it's been feeling recently. I think there is optimism for the future. And I know that's not something we've been able to say a lot this season. Now, Ames, carry around to you. I mean, like the boys have said there, it's been a tougher watch for sure at times. But it is only one defeat in seven since the restart. And if Kane's goal had stood against Sheffield United and a penalty on him had been given against Bournemouth, top four probably wouldn't have been as far out of sight as it is now. But it is a funny old game. It hasn't been... That pretty on the eye, but there's plenty of team spirit and fight, quite literally. What have you made, Ames, in terms of the recent pick-me-up performances from Tottenham? I actually really enjoyed the game yesterday. Like, what a turnaround. I mean, we'd been really awful. And obviously, against Arsenal, it was it was a joy. <laughs> it was a joy to have won. And then you're kind of left with this feeling of, was it kind of just a little bit of luck? But I feel like they really showed up. And I actually enjoyed... I enjoyed watching the whole game yesterday. And also, I couldn't believe uh, Serge was playing. Massive respect to him after his brother was murdered. Absolutely, like, absolutely. Yeah. I just, I can't believe that. Mm. Yeah, wow. Credit to him. I just can't, yeah, no, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, no, great point you make there. And just a question here, Ames, from one of our listeners. This is from Kia at Kia Lamont 2. And he says, do you think the trade-off in anxiety during the match with the elation from victories, no matter how narrow, is worth it. Because I think, like Jamie brought up in the start, I mean, Ames, we kind of, in that first half an hour, we had only 38% of possession um, against Newcastle, 62%. And it's, I'm finding it still quite hard. As much as I'm loving to see this kind of newfound Spurs where they're grinding out the wins, being a team that had the ball so much in those last four or five years under Pochettino, where we were so used to having the ball... And not having yeah. it. How is that for you on the eye? Are you still okay with the fact that you know you're comfortable not having the ball against maybe I could say the less football inside? You look at Newcastle's quality compared to Tottenham. We've got such yeah. a lot of quality. How do you feel in terms of not having the ball as much as what we used to have? Does it bother you? At first, it was a bit strange because it feels it just feels a bit off. But now I'm kind of like starting to see the the like the. The whole process, it's not just sort of for now, there's a longer process in this. And yeah, I'm ha- now I'm starting to realise I'm happy to see us not on the ball as much if the results are coming in. So it's, it, yeah, it's a completely different style of play. 
but we've got quality players and if they can learn to adapt it's just getting these wins and then they can go on to change or continue doing what whatever's going to win because we want to win at the end of the day like the players deserve to have something like they're amazing yeah and like you said i think as fans this is what we're craving for we are craving for trophies this is the reason why jose Mourinho is here Jamie, to bring it round to you, we've got a question here from Noel Saka who says, with Mourinho's philosophy seemingly beginning to take hold with this team, do you believe with this squad and a couple of additions, could we mount a title challenge for next season? Is that realistic? No, no, that's, no that's, that's not realistic. I don't think a title challenge, come on, let's, let's get real. I think the gap to... Manchester City and Liverpool is enormous and you're not going to bridge that with three signings. I mean, I, I think, first of all, I think it's going to be a, a very strange summer for all clubs. I don't think you're going to see too many transfers because a lot of clubs just, just don't have a pot to piss in this summer. So there's not going to be big, big, big money transfers going on, perhaps with the exception of somebody like Manchester City who have got the cash to spend, obviously. I think we need, I think three players I'd, l- I'd like to see us bring in this summer. We obviously need a right back. As Amy said, Huge respect to Serge for playing yesterday, and I thought he had actually a really good game. Okay, he made the mistake for Matt Ritchie's goal, but apart from that, I think he had the most tackles in the game. And just to have the strength of character, you know, in a week which must have been such a, oh, I mean, just unthinkable tragedy for him to have to deal with. To play, all credit to him, and he had a great game. But look, we know that he's been the stopgap at right back this season, so I think we need to bring in a right back. I think a central defensive midfielder will sort out so many issues for us. It will give Giovanni Lacelso, you know, the license to play more attacking and be a bit more of a playmaker. I really do think we need a second striker, but Jose Mourinho has already said, you know, just last week in the press conference that he's not going to bring in any more attacking players. We've got all the attacking players we need. Do you believe him, Jay, um, on that? Do you believe that he actually means that? Well, that could be just Jose being Jose, <laughs> couldn't it? I mean, I think, I th- I think. Right back and defensive midfielder are the priorities. If you can, if you can only bring in two players this summer, those are the two positions that you need to strengthen. I think we're pretty well covered elsewhere. And it, it's, it sounds bonkers saying this only a week on from Bournemouth because against Bournemouth, I just had no idea what was going on at all. And I thought, I just cannot see what he's doing here. I don't see any sort of plan. I don't see any plan emerging. It's hopeless. It's hopeless. I've given up on this lot. Yet a week later, here I am saying, finally, in these last couple of games, I now see Jose's philosophy starting to develop and I see what he wants from the side. And I do think it's just a little bit of tinkering. I, you know, I don't think it's wholesale changes needed. Um, I see reports this evening that we're considering offering Kyle Walker-Peters plus a bit of cash to Southampton for Pierre-Emile Hoiberg. I mean, I don't know if he's the answer as a defensive midfielder. I know that Mourinho's a big fan of his. I mean, personally, I'd be sad to see Walker-Peters go because I think he's had a great second half of the season with Southampton and I think he could emerge into a decent fullback one day. But, look, who knows what's going to happen there. Um, but I finally see now that the pieces of the jigsaw starting to come to, together. But in answer to that question that you asked me, uh, in a very roundabout way, I finally got back to answering the question. No, I don't see a title challenge. Um, you know, winning an FA Cup could be great. If we get into the Europa League, I think that's a really, really good chance to win something, especially with Jose Mourinho and his sort of ta- ta- tactically sort of, you know, working out in opposition, especially in Europe. I think we would have a great chance of winning the Europa League. Yes, it's a lot of games, but it's a legitimate way back into the Champions League. And I think it's, you know, on a one-on-one situation, we can beat anybody. Yeah, I think like I say we've seen it this season with this Tottenham team. It has got the ability, as we saw against Man City, that it can get the results and you look at this group it needs improvement as we've said there is still a rebuild to take place here 
And again, it all comes down to whether Jose Mourinho is going to get that money. Now, Jack, you look at the stats on Mourinho. You know, only Liverpool and Man City have won more Premier League games than Tottenham since Mourinho's first game in November last year. Burnley equalises, we know, very late on against Wolves. We go one point behind them with just two games to go. The Europa League is still a possibility for Tottenham. How have you made the last six, seven days the change in your mindset when it comes to Mourinho, Jack? Can you slowly start to see what he's looking to do? Like Amy said, can you see a kind of a case we need to trust in this process? Possibly. I mean, as I say, it's a different, it's a difficult thing because, as I say, the perception is we're not playing particularly well. As I say, the defence still looks like it, it can make a mistake at any moment. But as I say, the, the kind of stats don't lie in that, that we are seeing slow improvements in the kind of defence in terms of extra clean sheets and things like that. I think the thing that will be really interesting going forward, I mean, as Jamie said, there's not going to be a lot of money floating around next year. There's going to be a lot of free transfers, a lot of loan deals. And we could see quite a lot of activity in terms of Spurs as well. You know, it'll be a real surprise to see... Um, certain players at the club. I mean, obviously, players like Danny Rose will, will probably not return. Carl Walker-Peters, as we've already mentioned. Um, and, you know, there's this big, looming, do dare mention it, Tangi in Dombele, whether he's going to be at the club next season. Um, but I think the real interesting thing might be is how he's going to handle a lot of the young players that are coming through at the moment. So, you know, you've got Skip, who we know about, who we the hopes would have got more minutes this season under both Poch and Mourinho, and it just hasn't happened. He's never really come off the bench at all. We've got a couple of other really good players coming through. You know, Harvey White has obviously made the bench a few times. You know, everyone's very excited about Dennis Serkin and, and equally, you know, Troy Parrott as well. And what will be interesting is, you know, we're not going to be able to make the big money signings next season. So is he going to put his faith in some very, very talented young players um, to make the step up and like Jamie said I'm disappointed about how we've handled Kyle Walker-Peters I think he had a real potential to be our starting right back for next season um, and obviously you know similar to Oliver Skip he, he was not in the side he was in and out of the side I remember he got you know man and match at Newcastle and then he was dropped for the next game and he didn't really get looking again so I think and I hope that Mourinho will utilise these younger players a lot better next season and um, but we can't expect to see the overnight results on that. That takes years to come through and it requires the fans to have faith in that and it requires Mourinho to have faith in them because he's not, unfortunately, had a great track record at any club he's been at to bring through the young players. So that will be the really interesting thing that we'll be keeping an eye on next season. It's interesting because you put that point across there, Jack, that with Mourinho, we know wherever he's been, it doesn't really last more than three seasons. So when we talk about the young players, you mentioned that the likes of Sirkin, White, Skip coming through, whether they are going to be part of his long-term plan, where you do feel the board are going to say to Mourinho, he's here to win trophies. And it's whether a case that he will give that trust to the younger players when that does come to next season and his plan. So it'll be interesting to see. Ames, coming around to you, a question here from Andrew Griffiths, who says, with hindsight, was the boom of performance and the result of blessing in disguise, now we've taken six points from a possible six. Are you starting to now see the kind of green shoots, the resilience in this team? Do you think the last couple of games has shown yeah. that they're mentally stronger? Are you seeing that as well now in terms of trusting in this team? 100%. I mean, like mentally, I don't think people talk about like the mental toll it has, but to, ha to come away from that game, to be able to pick themselves up and obviously their last two wins, they were really, really important. And the Arsenal game, I, I, did, I didn't really want to watch it. Obviously, I was always going to watch it, but I didn't really want to. And I expected it to be a, a savage kind of like 
beating. But yeah, I was so proud of them to pick themselves up. And I don't really, as you were sort of saying earlier about, obviously there's going to be no money for new players, but I don't really want any new players. I, I still feel like they, we've got new players that haven't had time to gel properly. And, you know, our formation changes quite a lot as well. Like they kind of just, we sort of need to get into like a little routine and find what clicks. Like it, there's still exciting stuff to come from us, do you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree in that in terms of the case. Like, listen, we haven't seen enough of Undembele, haven't seen enough of Sessignon, Lacelso, yeah, yeah. just just like the one, I say, assist for him. And Love I, I, Lacelso. I, do, I do agree that, you know, listen, we, we've got to give some of these new players time to kind of bed in and get used to Tottenham. And you certainly, I don't think, can write any player off after 12 months, but I still feel at the same time that really, unless this Spurs team is significantly strengthened in certain areas like you mentioned earlier, Jamie, in terms of, you know, the right back. For me, let's say that the Holberg signing would definitely fill a certain position. I think the second strike of a cane still needs to be addressed. But I mean, you mentioned, Amy, you know, we have got a lot of attacking players. And again, when it's kind of Mourinho's selection, he is sport for choice. I mean, Jamie, we saw that he named an unchanged team for the first time in the Premier League since December 2019. The Celso passed a late fitness test. Meanwhile, as Amy mentioned, Serge Aurier felt he was mentally able to play the game despite that awful, awful death of his brother during that week. And of course, we saw Tugin Ndombele not fit, injured according to Jose Mourinho, and he will now miss the last two games. And again, it'll be interesting mm. to see if we see him yeah. in a Spurs shirt. But I mean, question here for has you, he, Has he played his last game in a Spurs well, shirt? Yeah, if he is, I'll be, I'll be gutted. We, we are going to come on to Ndombele a bit later, but I've got a question here yeah. from Brock Soccerball who says... Lamella and Bergwijn have been excellent every time they've played since the restart. Are they unlucky to not be starting for us currently? What do you think? Am I allowed to swear in this podcast? You can say whatever you want. <laughs> what I love about Lamella is just he's just a proper shit house, isn't he? Like he just gets under the skin of the opposition, and he's the tackles are coming in. He he seems to really play for the shirt. And listen. Lamella's first season after his thirty million pound signing, however many seasons ago it was now, I thought this guy's not going to last too long at this club. He's just a real sort of lightweight. But I tell you what, he gives it—he he gives it so much, so much passion. I love Lamella when he comes on. Bergvain, I think, adds a different dimension. I think he just has the pace to run at opposition defenders and really scare the life out of them. But the problem is, you know, can you get all these players in the same set? You can't drop Son. He's sensational at the moment. You're obviously not going to drop Harry Kane. You need Lacelso in there pulling the strings. I still think we need, a, a, you know, a, another playmaker as well. But I'm sure we'll come on to that a bit later as well. Um, so it's one position at the moment for Bergvine, Lamella, Lucas. They're all trying to fill that one other position. Lucas, I have to say... You know, I know he divides opinion amongst Spurs fans. I thought he was excellent against Newcastle yesterday. I thought he was dynamic. He was running everywhere. He was a real live wire. He was causing them plenty of problems. Uh, you know, it was his tenacity that led to the opening goal for Sonny. Um, so I thought Lucas was excellent yesterday. But as Amy says, he's not short of attacking options, Jose. Um, I mean, only one out and out, what you'd call a number nine, a striker. But there's plenty of players who can play in behind that. Um, to answer your question that you asked Amy as well, was the Bournemouth performance almost a blessing in disguise? I'd say yes. And Toby Alderweireld kind of said as much after the North London derby. He said, you know, the criticism, I think, was so stinging after that Bournemouth performance that I think it must have given the players a kick up the backside. And I think Jose Mourinho, with his post-match comments at the Vitality Stadium, d did the same as well. I think... 
they'll have been so stung by that criticism because it was, you know, it was so ponderous. It was so slow against Bournemouth. There was just nothing. It was so insipid that I think the players will have given themselves a real talking to after that one. And, you know, whether it's Hugo Lloris or Harry Kane, whoever it is, whoever the leaders in that dressing room are, will have bashed a few heads together and said, this is not good enough. We're Tottenham Hotspur. We've got North London Derby on Sunday and we're going to have to pull our socks up and, and, and show the fans that we you know, we mean business. Um, sorry, I don't even remember what the question was now. I've kind of gone round in circles. But um, you kind of answered it. No, that's absolutely fine, <laughs> no, you, you've answered yeah, yeah, the question I, in terms of the you know in terms of Lamella and Bergvine. Bergvine and Lamella, yeah. I think like I said, I think it's Bergvine, Lamella and Lucas competing for one spot at the moment. Yeah. And so, so we're kind of blessed in that position. Yeah. Tom Adams says, though the style of play is defensive and in my eyes we invite teams onto us, the players seem to now understand their roles on off the ball, which is great. And what we have seen, Jack, recently is obviously Mourinho has tweaked the formation. We've now gone with a 4-4-2. Steve DuPont says, how are you finding the change of formation, specifically the pairing of Son and Kane up top? Assuming we play 4-4-2 a lot more, do you see Deli Alli fitting into this team that Mourinho has now got himself yeah, I think that's a really good question. I mean, I, look, it's no secret that Ali, although, you know, what he's achieved at such a young age has it, been exceptional, I don't think he has reached the level that we all expected to uh, of him when he kind of really burst on the scene, you know, three three years ago now. Um, and he hasn't consistently played well for, for quite some time. And I think the other difficulty for him as well is that you know, Kane showed yesterday, you know, what a top quality striker is. I mean, that first goal in particular, the way he came off the shoulder of the defender and his finish was just beautiful. And, you know, it shows despite his injury problems and the fact he hasn't looked quite as fit as he has done in the past, um, you know, still shows he's a top quality striker. But you do get the impression that he has lost the yard of pace, I think, after successive injuries over the last few years. I mean, he was never the quickest anyway. Um, but I think the problem's been that sometimes in the old formation, because of that, he's held up the player a little bit. We haven't broken as, as quickly as we can. And, and so to have Son up there with him, offering that pace, offering that turn off the defender has been really, really important. And I think has improved our playing. You know, we've scored five goals in the last two games. Um, but before that, we'd obviously just scored five and five. So we were struggling, I think, to really break down defences. So I think it has changed. And I think Ali's look got to step up. There will be a place for him in all the top teams, um, you know, currently going City, Liverpool. They've all got excellent strength and depth. And, you know, they can have, rely on players coming into the team or off the bench and that, that deliver. But, you know, Ali's got to adapt. You know, he got dropped from the England squad not long ago because he wasn't performing as well. Um, there is absolutely a place for him. We need his creativity. Um, and there's definitely a place for him in rotation up with Kane and Son as well. You know, Kane cannot play 38 games, Premier League, plus all the Champions League, FA Cup, everything else. We will need to retain and we will need to adapt. Um, but yeah, no, it's going to be difficult for him. And he, I, I wouldn't say he's first choice on the team sheet anymore. And you wouldn't have heard many Spurs fans saying that even a year ago. It aims to come round to you. It was a trademark finish from Hummin Son who got us on our way, he stepped inside and fired low at the near post. And it was really, to be honest with you, against the one I played, but it was a quality goal. And now for Son, he was back on the left, playing alongside Harry Kane in the North London derby and was quiet early on, but took his chance midway through that first half, which really mattered. He's now contributed 21 goals in the Premier League this season, 11 goals and 10 assists. His best return in a single season in the competition. Ames, how impressed have you been with Hummin Son? 
I love him. He's absolutely amazing. And do you know what the nicest thing is as well? Is I've heard from people around the club who have been honoured enough to meet him. And they have said he's one of the nicest blokes you will ever meet in your whole yeah, life. Like, he's actually that genuine. Like, that is him. Like, what you see is what you get. Like, he's lovely. Honestly, humble to have him at the club. He's amazing. And also to recap on how much I enjoyed watching Lucas play yesterday. He was incredible. <laughs> and it was so nice to see him sort of fit into the game. So true. I feel like he hasn't, so, he so hasn't fit into the yeah. game for ages, but yeah. he was like creative and, oh, yeah. they were brilliant. Yeah, and just Kane, Kane kind of, it was a glimpse of the old Kane, wasn't it? 100%. Yesterday. Yeah, I- I'm totally with you on, on Lucas Moore. The only thing that frustrates me about Lucas is that sometimes he has this tendency, Ames, I don't know if you noticed, to kind of charge at defenders with the ball. And, you know, it's almost like gladiators. He's going to lose it at some point. He's going to end up getting tackled or it, it never seems to he's work. He's so but little, isn't he? He's so, he's so little. But the thing is, we, we seem to play him right there through the middle and he just charged. It never quite works out. But I think you're right. Credit where it's due. He played ever so well, yeah. James. Did play ever so well. He really did well. And he just, yeah, he just sort of, his positioning was just, it just all seemed to kind of flow. And he's so creative and... He gets he gets a bit sticked in here and saying oh he's just a good sub but I think that people forget that he gave us that moment didn't he so he'll always be a legend like it's just good to see we'll him kind have of Amsterdam yeah <laughs> but it's nice to see him almost playing a little bit like it was Amsterdam you know great yeah, yeah. no I, I think to be fair I think since Mourinho's appointment I think he does feel he's I think he said this publicly that he feels that Mourinho has bought into him as a player I mean to be fair there's even been like say reports recently that he's so influential in that dressing room, one of the most important players. It was interesting, I think, after the goal against Arsenal, at Toby's winner, he kind of patted everyone on the head. So he seems to be a player that kind of brings an energy and vibrancy. And he's clearly one of Mourinho's favourites. I mean, if you've seen his team lineups over the last kind of 10, 11 games, Moore has been one of the consistent players in those team selections. But just to back to Sonny for a second, come around to you, Jamie. You know, he seems to get more decisive with every single Premier League season. Even the team, as players around him have got worse... Yeah. He's had such an odd campaign with two red cards, a broken arm, a spell in the Marines, <laughs> yeah. a stint as only the striker. But his numbers still, Jamie, they're still really impressive, he, aren't they, really? You read the tweet, same tweet as I did earlier, about, yeah, what an odd season it's been. Two crazy. red cards, a broken arm, a spell in the, you know, the Korean Marines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you, you kind of think he hasn't had that great a season, but statistically speaking, he's had his best season yet. And as you said, he's improving every year he's at the club. I think only Kevin De Bruyne is the only other player in the league that has the same number of goals and assists as Sonny. And 100% what Amy says, she's so right. I know from the, from being in the training ground every now and then, he is the most popular man around that training ground. All the players adore him. He's always got a smile on his face. Huge, you know, hugely humble. Will speak to the cleaning ladies the same way as he speaks to Jose Mourinho. He's just, he's such a likable guy. Um, I think he makes the whole team tick. And you know, it's a hundred percent. You know, exactly what you just said. He's improving every single season at the club. He is. He is playing really, really well. And Jack, coming round to you, you know, we talk about Sonny in terms of his goal return and his contribution to the team. Do you think maybe outside of Spurs, is he now being widely recognised as a player for just how good he is? Because to be fair, listen, he's not a striker. He is an attacker, but he does seem to favour playing more forward like he is on the back of Kane. Do you think that's his best position for you, Jack? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, one of his biggest strengths is that he's incredibly versatile. He works hard wherever he plays and he makes a contribution wherever he plays. But 
Yeah, I, I think so. I, and uh, actually, when Kane hasn't been able to play because of injury, and when Son's had to fill in up front, um, it hasn't affected us as much as it has in previous seasons. I think we were still picking up wins. You know, Son really, really took on that burden and showed a lot of leadership. Actually, I think um, I don't think we're a team who are blessed with leaders. Um, but I think Sonny is actually uh, coming to the fore as a leader in that team. And and even, you know, it was quite highly publicised a, a couple of weeks ago, you know, when he had that little scuffle with Lloris and showed that little bit of edge. But And, and you mentioned the red cards as well, but I, I don't think that's necessarily always a bad thing. Obviously, it's frustrating when we receive reds and whatever and it, it impacts the team performance. But what I mean is, is you know, he's clearly a really nice guy, has been said, you know, many times already on this conversation. But... You want players with a little bit of edge, with that real desire to win. All the best sides have players like that who will, you know, have that bit of an edge, who who kind of occasionally go over the top and, and behave badly. But I, I think he's developed into one of the best players in the Premier League now. And I think, as you say, he's starting to be recognised for it. And I think with Kane, he's probably one of our few players who could get into one of those Man City, Liverpool title-challenging sides. I'm, I'm not too sure many players on our side on form at the moment could say that. But Son it absolutely is easily one of the best top five players in the Premier League at the moment, no doubt. You know, sorry to just interrupt there, but did everybody see the clip doing the rounds on Twitter? And I can't remember who Sonny was alongside. It might have been Toby. Um, but just preparing to do an interview after the North London derby and he just lent in the microphone and just went, come on, you Spurs. Just lent in the microphone <laughs> like that. It was, the, it was the loveliest thing. He loves the club. He, he does. loves the club. They all love him. Yeah, it's so true. It's back to what Amy said. He's such a likable guy. And it's like, you know, a player like him, you would love to have success trophies around the football club for a player like him. That, to be fair, he gives absolutely everything for this Spurs team whenever he plays. But... We are going to go for a very quick break. And when we return, we'll be discussing Kamikaze defending from Tottenham. Wouldn't be Spurs without some Kamikaze defending. Bergvine's instant impact, clinical Harry Kane, this team's mentality. And we also take a look ahead to Leicester City to come on Sunday. Do not go anywhere. We are back after this very, very short break. Hello and welcome back to the second half of The Last Word on Spurs. We jokingly said they're off air. Probably one of the most positive shows we've done and again it's kind of enforcing the case that how everything can change in a space of six days with Tottenham and there you have it, what this club does to us. Now we are going to start on a, I a negative note but a kind of again a mention of Spurs' kamikaze defending which we've discussed at length this season on The Last Word on Spurs which you guys would know because you listen to us every week and we love you for that. Ames, Spurs somehow again defensively, you know, we allowed Richie to score an absolute screamer, but it came on the back of poor Spurs defending. Is that just a case where over time Mourinho will hope to eradicate that from Tottenham's game, that kind of defending? Yeah, of course, 100%. I mean, it was just one mistake, wasn't it? And what a scream. I mean, no one was saving that. Um, but yeah, like it was just a mistake and everything that happened with Serge, like, yeah, you can't really blame him for that. But I think we'll see, a, obviously, a different team with a different formation and stuff as well. Seeing us, obviously, kind of defend, yeah, 100%, I think, massive massive changes. I think it's going to be a weird team to watch, but it, it will become natural and we'll get used to it when we start seeing the results. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%, I agree with you. I mean, just on that point, you know, we mentioned there that, listen, it was Serge's mistake, Jamie, but to be fair, I think you have to give the man, you know, all the credit in the world for, you know, having the mental yeah. strength and character to want to play that game. I mean... What a blinder. <laughs> I mean, how, do you, how I mean, can you put into words, Jamie, the fact that he wanted I to play that people, game? I still find it incredible. 
people deal with grief in different ways, don't they? And clearly Serge wanted to go out there and get a win to dedicate to his brother. And I think I've seen a lot of tweets over the last 24 hours from a lot of the players saying that, you know, this one was for you. Um, so, you know, and in some ways, you know, maybe it was it would have taken his mind off is the wrong expression. But for two hours, he could go out and do, you know, his, his day job and not have to think about the horror that his family have been through this week. So full credit to Serge. Yes, it was his mistake that led to Richie's goal. But we know that Serge has got a bit of a ricket in him every now and then. Um you know, the kamikaze defending, you're right, has become a feature this season. And there's been a lot of individual errors that have led to opposition goals. But actually, if you think about it, since the, the restart, mm. OK, take out the Sheffield United game, which was an absolute shambles. Yep. But since the restart, we've conceded a penalty against Manchester United. OK, mm. yeah. Eric Dyer didn't need to bundle Pogba over, but it was a penalty against United. We've kept clean sheets against West Ham, Bournemouth, um, West Ham and Bournemouth. That's right. And um, and the goals, Lacazette in the North London Derby, that's just a rocket that he lashes into the top corner. Hugo's not saving that. And likewise, yesterday, Matt Ritchie, that's a rocket that a keeper doesn't save. So it's not as if, as I said, with the exception of the Sheffield United game, which is the kind of the outlier, it's not as if the defending has been that bad since we've come back. And, you know, things do take time. And Jose Mourinho clearly wants to start with a strong defensive base. And I think we're slowly getting there. Yeah. I think we'll see into next season. Eric Dyer will become his his number one choice centre half, I think, probably alongside Davinson Sanchez. Although I'd love to still think that Toby has a part to play because I think he's such a calming influence in that back four. Whether Jan Vertonghen is still at the club, I don't know. I think he, you know, there's talk that he might move to Manchester City, which would be extraordinary. Um, God, the irony that know, he goes and wins a Premier League. Yeah. There. You couldn't make it up, Jamie, could you? I saw a tweet earlier this week saying, I, I think it was from Charlie Parrish, I don't know if you know Charlie, yep. saying, I'm, I'm making peace with the fact that Jan Vertonghen might go to Manchester City <laughs> in that he'll learn all the tricks of Pep Guardiola, oh, then dear. come back and manage Spurs five years down the line and turn us into champions. So oh, maybe, that's how we, maybe that's how we make our peace with Jan, Jan Vertonghen going to City. Maybe. But defensively, I think we're getting there. The, the, the rickets are becoming more few and far between. It's not quite as kamikaze as it was sort of earlier on in the season you know like everything like we've been saying the kind of theme of this podcast so far has been we're getting there slowly but surely yeah I think like we keep mentioning it's, it's attempting trust in the process and again I think it's tricky because as I mentioned at the very top of the show you know where you're so used to having a team that has so much of the ball and listen again for me I'm willing to sacrifice the ball to some extent against you know, the, the lesser footballing teams if we're getting the results like we did against Newcastle. But it's just something as your mind you've got to try and adapt to because where you've had the ball for the last kind of five, six years and you're changing the philosophy, it's whether you're mentally able to kind of get over that stumbling block. And for some people, they can't. And again, you, you have to respect that certain people like seeing football played in a certain way. And again, the brand is not going to please everyone. I think we have to kind of make that point. It's not going to please everyone. But I think what will please a lot of people, Jack, coming around to you, is the way Spurs responded after Newcastle got that goal, because immediately we saw Bergwijn come on and he made an immediate impact, wasn't he? It's was a great cross, expertly headed on by Kane. Now, it was the perfect response after falling behind, but, you know, Bergwijn really, great numbers and goals and assists so far. And in a matter of minutes, we turn the game back on its head. Yeah, I mean, he's already shown he's a real game changer, isn't he? I mean, it's, you know, first game against Man City, you know, what a goal and what a way to introduce yourself right to the fans. 
And he settled in really, really quickly. I mean, some of the players have taken a lot longer than him to settle in. Even Lo Celso, who I think has been absolutely brilliant. You know, it took a while for him to hit his stride. Same with Mora when he first came to the club. It you know, took a real six months or so. And Sissoko looks like a completely different player to when he first joined. I mean, he's one of our key players in the team now, but you wouldn't have known that well after his first season. So, no, Bergwijn's been absolutely brilliant. And whether he starts or comes on, he's a real, real game changer. I mean, the other thing, just to say as well with the defence, I think we're kind of talking about them as if this is going to be the same back four next season. And I think it's pretty common knowledge that it's not going to be. Um, you know, we're definitely going to be in the hunt for at least one, if not two, full-backs. I mean, we've already touched on Serge uh, again. And he, I think, you know, mistake aside, he was absolutely brilliant yesterday um, in amongst everything else that had happened to him. So real credit to him. But And I think, you know, just to say, Ben Davis has been a fantastic servant to the club and I think will remain a good squad player. I, I don't think he's got the quality we need at, at left-back to really propel us uh, forward. Um you know, obviously Jamie mentioned probably you've got Dyer and Sanchez there. Again, like Deli Ali, we talked about before, Dyer probably hasn't kicked on in the way we'd hoped. I mean, he was touted as a future England captain uh, only a couple of seasons ago, and, and we've never really pinned down what his best position is. So he's got a really big season ahead of him. He wants to play at centre-back, and I think by the looks of things, Mourinho will give him the chance to do that. But he's got to really step up there. Has Sanchez probably made the strides that we'd expect to have him when he joined? Not probably not. He's probably not improved as much. And you've got Toby, who again top top class defender, but you know again he's, he doesn't seem to be Mourinho's first choice necessarily anymore. He's kind of signalled that after the first game back. So the other player obviously to throw in the mix is Tanganga. Um, you know I think he's going to be starting at centre back or at least starting a lot of games at centre back next season. And he can fill in at left and right back. So. It's not going to be the same back four. Yes, the routes of recovery are there, but we're going to need to see one or two players coming in, I think, to really strengthen that defence and get to where we need to be next season. How disappointing is, is, is the Juan Foyt thing? Because I really thought that Very. he could have been, yeah. he could have been you know, the man in that right-back position, and it just has not happened. For him. Look, he's still very young. But, yeah, is it a case that, with him, Jamie? Do you think it? with Mourinho, I look at the model of defenders he's had in the past. For me, he's just not that kind of model. He's just kind of a very meek, mild defender, ball playing, a bit weak. I don't know if Mourinho... Yeah, was... I thought, what do you I think? thought in, in the latter potch days, I thought that Foyt was almost being sort of targeted as, as a fullback, as a yep. right back in particular. Yep. And um, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's he's had some bad luck with injuries as well. He's still very young. Who knows? But you do get the growing impression that Mourinho has his favourites, doesn't he? Yeah, of and course. Clearly, yeah. Juan Foyt isn't one of his favourites, and I do think his days at the club are probably numbered. He started for Argentina on a, on a regular basis, and he couldn't even get in the Spurs squad at some point. So uh, there's there's something not quite right. You know, he hasn't settled in there. Um, I think, as Jamie says, he, I think he could go somewhere like Italy or Spain and, and perform really, really well. You know, it's a very, very physical league. Um, he doesn't quite look like he has the makings of a, you know, a top, quite, uh, top quality centre-back, you know, physically. Um, but he, he's shown real promise. So, yeah, I, I agree. It is disappointing. But I wouldn't be surprised if he went somewhere else and turned into a real stylish defender. And we'll see him a lot more for Argentina and, and another top club in the future, I'm sure. But I, I, I can't see him being at the club uh, beyond next summer, no. 
Yeah, it's one of those that, unfortunately, for whatever reason, it just hasn't quite worked out for one for It's a shame, because when he first came through, I say first came through, when we first bought him, I think there's a player there with such potential, but we use that word so much in terms of Spurs buying potential, we don't always buy the finished article, that, again, it's just a shame that we're not maybe going to see the best of him. But one thing I do want to pick up on, Ames, coming back around to you, is that you look at this team's mentality in this last couple of games, and I would kind of reflect on the fact that you look at, again, kind of conceded to Sheffield United in the 31st minute, we scored the equaliser in the 34th minute that's then wrongly ruled out. We then conceded to Arsenal in the 16th minute, scored the equaliser in the 19th minute. We conceded to Newcastle in the 56th minute, an equaliser. We then restored our lead in the 60th minute. Is that a sign for you, Ames, that our mentality when things go wrong against us is starting to change as a team? We are slowly yeah. getting there. We definitely have fighting spirit, like, so much. Yeah, I think the proof's in it, really. And we've got such strong characters in the squad as well. Even if all of them haven't come into their own yet, like you were saying about some of the younger ones, like there is definitely fight and spirit in there. Like, And the goal that we had ruled out against us, I mean, I know we played awful, but I honestly feel that if we hadn't have had such awful luck, I think the mentality for the rest of that game would have been different. <laughs> Dare I say that? <laughs> no, you're right. You're spot on. It, it, because of the, the timing of that game, Amy, if that goal goes in, it changes the whole perception of the game. And we've seen that so many times with Tottenham. 100%. 100%. And it was, they, you could see how it was, so, it was so wrong. It was so unfairly done. It was draining. You could see it was drain, it drained the players. They were like, what? And to be able to pick themselves up, well, they didn't. But, but you, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was really horrible. Really horrible. Now, Ames, I want to come on to one of the points that you made off-air, and that was Lamella and the impact of Eric Lamella. Now, we jokingly said about his haircut and uh, the fact <laughs> that he's got a shepherd's pie on his head. Um, tell oh, us, we love Lamella. What, I mean, listen, Lamella is a player that, listen, on this podcast, amongst Spurs fans, he's going to divide opinion. He's been here seven seasons, and obviously when we sign Lamella... Yeah, he's Marmite. Listen, but the thing is, <laughs> Lamella was bought as a replacement for Gareth Bale. And you went and saw what Bale <laughs> went on to do for Real Madrid. I mean, it's going to be very hard for a player to replicate <laughs> yeah. that. I mean, where are you on Eric Lamella for you, Ames? Do you just kind of appreciate the fact that he just does give 100% when he comes on? We know he's I not... I appreciate Lamella. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's so fiery. He comes on and he, he just, he plays with passion. Even if he comes on as a sub, like last couple of minutes of a game and they're all, everyone's given up he'll still still go and tackle someone to get booked like he don't care he, well he does care like yeah, he does care he does care 100% he's just he's brilliant to watch I love him I, mean, I can see I can see why people get annoyed because some of the decisions he makes is silly but yeah. it comes from a good place like he's Tottenham he wants to win it, yeah. that's what you want it, you can't buy that in players you can't, no, you can't like you can't buy that you're spot on. And I mean, come around to you, Jack. It's one of those players that, again, you kind of said this off air, that Mourinho is going to like him because he's got that fiery side to him. You know, he played a big role yeah. in Kane's second goal there, Jack. I mean, for you, with Lamella, do you see him actually being a player that is going to be in a Jose Mourinho squad next season? I think he'll be in the squad. I don't think he'll be the first man yeah. on the team sheet, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I, I, I agree with all that, and I, I can see him, you know, being someone who Mourinho really likes, bring on for the last ten minutes, um, you know, cause a bit of disruption, and that and that's fine. The only thing I would say, and probably where he falls behind, uh, you know, Lucas Bergwijn, um, and especially Son and Kane, obviously, is his returns, of goals, and assists are, is pretty poor, to be honest with you. I think he's made. 150 odd appearances for Spurs over, was it seven, eight seasons now? 
and he scored 16 goals, you know, and 14 assists. That they aren't numbers that are going to get you into a starting spot for an, for a, you know hopefully a top four side or even a you know top six side. He's really got to start producing the goods next season. And you know, look, we say it every single year. He looks absolutely brilliant in August, doesn't he? In pre-season, and he just looks brilliant in the sun. And you know, he's got all the tricks. And you think, oh right, this is the season, isn't it? Right. We keep Eris, saying that though. We've been saying the last we time, though, haven't we? To be honest, yeah. He's got the talent. This is the frustrating thing. We'll come on to Tangi in a minute. They're talking about another player with talent who's not really delivered. But you know, we can't keep saying year after year this is going to be Lamella's season. You know, it's going to be Lamella's season. He's he's got to do it. Uh, and you know. He will, he'll be in the squad next season. Uh, as I say, I think he'll fill in, he'll play a part. Um, but God, it'd be so wonderful, wouldn't it, to see him really unlock his potential and really make a big contribution next season, more than making the odd booking or a last, last feisty 10 minutes. Let's see him get some real goals in there, get him some assists and be a real key player in that team next season. If I could have a pound yeah, I totally for, agree if, with that. If, if, if I could have a pound for every time someone has said if Lamella next season can unlock his potential, it'd be it'd be great to see it. I mean, Jamie, God, it's a, a player that, of course, over seven seasons, the expectancy has been there for this guy to go and really kick on and push on. It never quite has happened, and I think now we just kind of again um, maybe appreciate him for his work rate over his ability, which is what the reason we bought him for. I mean, where are you on Lamella? Do you think he will end up being part yeah. of Jose Mourinho's squad next season? I completely agree with Jack 100% a squad player my heart sinks slightly when I see him in the starting 11 because I think he's a great impact sub and a very Mourinho style player in terms of as I said earlier he is a bit of a shithouse and he gets under the skin of the opposition and he runs around like a headless chicken and the tackles come flying in and he gives it 100% so right Ricky in, in that his role has changed he was signed as this sort of flair player and I think he's now turned into, you know, somebody who just grafts really hard. And I don't know. I mean, look, it would be lovely to see him kick on next season and, and demand, a, you know, a starting place and unlock this potential, as you say. But I kind of think now that when you look at the age of Bergvine and, you know, some of the other players coming through, and Lamella's that bit older, I think now he, he probably is just a squad player and, and a great squad player to have because... What an impact sub to bring on with with half hour, half an hour, twenty minutes to go. And look, it'll be obviously from Jose Mourinho's point of view, you always want you know competition for places. And if he does hit a bit of a purple patch, it'd be great to see him challenging Lucas or Deli Ali or Bergvine to get into the starting eleven. But I think he probably is a squad player, but, but a squad player I love because he just gives it 100% and that's all we want to see isn't it? Yeah of course I think like I say one of those things that from players you want as a minimum is you know commitment desire 100% effort and I one thing with Lamella where I don't think you can ever say he hasn't given 100% now talk about players that give 100% and give everything we've dedicated this section to him Harry Kane aims coming around to you netting number 201 career goals now for Spurs but I mean it's actually mind-blowing when you think about Kane that's six years in a row 20-plus goals at the top, top level. Think about it for a second. You know, when you need to manage him well, keep him fit next season by investing in a new striker, imagine his numbers, Ames, if he went through a season without injuries. I mean, he's just a simply incredible striker, isn't he, Harry Kane? He's absolutely amazing. And obviously, you say about the injuries and how, like, how young he is as well. It's crazy. And wasn't it on his... 350th appearance as well that he made yeah well great stats to have like he's brilliant he yeah. is world class he really is it's crazy isn't it? when you hear people say that maybe 
should we sell Kane to fund this rebuild? No. I mean, I just think, God, where would you replace all these goal Spurs are going to get? I mean, it's difficult to... You're it, never especially now, him. Especially now with Harry Kane, I think to go and try and get another proven striker where you've seen Spurs' recruitment policy over this last kind of 12, 18 months. Let's be honest about it. It hasn't been great. And I think with Kane... What Kane needs more than anything, come around to you, Jack, I think he's desperately craving out for competition. If it was me personally, I'd say, go and throw money at someone like Raul Jimenez from Wolves. Go and get someone in that not only can give Kane a rest, but can actually go and challenge Harry Kane's position. Because we've seen it so many times that when you actually bring a player in to compete with another one, it actually pushes them onto another level. Do you think that's what Harry needs as well? That bit of competition, knowing that he's not going to be safe every single game in a Spurs shirt. Yeah, I, th I think so. I think you're right about the competition, but you also rightly said about the rest. I mean, you know, his injuries are well documented now. It feels like every single season he's got one. And it is because not only does he play every single game when he's fit, he plays pretty much every minute. And obviously, he's a regular start for England as well. Um, and he's got a lot of, you know, a lot of wear and tear on the body as well. But he does, he needs a top quality striker, you know, either alongside him, giving him a break, or as you say, giving him that push. I mean, We've obviously touched on Troy Parrott already and he's going to be, you know, hopefully a top quality player in the future. But, you know, let's not forget he's, he's still a teenager. He's still a number of years away from being, you know, at the level of someone like Harry Kane. So, yeah, I'd love to go out and, and buy someone like Jimenez, as you mentioned. Um, I mean, look, let's, let's not forget, though, we've made these mistakes in the past. We've signed what we think are going to be top quality strikers. You know, Soldado um, is an example. Um, but, you know, who haven't quite worked out, you know, Lorente more recently, obviously as well, as a good player, but he was getting on a bit. Um, it's difficult because are you going to attract someone like Raul Jimenez, who is playing week in, week out for, you know, a decent side, um, who knows ultimately that if everyone's fit, he's probably going to be on the bench for the next game. Because Kane is going to, he is one of the best strikers in world football. And, um, you know, he's always going to be on the first name of the team street for, for the next few years. So it's difficult to be able to attract the calibre of player we're going to need to attract to equally replace or push uh, Kane when necessary, um, but who ultimately will be on the bench. So, you know, and again, are we going to have the money that we're going to need to buy a striker who can score 20 goals a season like Harry Kane? No, you know, they cost 50, 60, 70, if not far more. Um so, you know, it's easier said than done to bring in someone like that because we're not going to be able to get in someone like him cheap. Yeah. I mean, come around to you, Jamie. What makes me laugh is when you see opposition fans say the kind of thing, Kane's finished and he's not good enough. I mean, this guy, he's got 11 goals in 17 appearances just under Jose Mourinho alone. And when you look at the case of the skin, the stats, you know, he's required less goals to reach 200 club goals than Ronaldo, Aguero and Thierry Henry. I mean, is Kane given the recognition for just what a top, top striker he is when he's had injury after injury every single season. Like one of your very own, Michael yeah. Bridge, you know, he ruptured, ruptured his ligament. I mean, God, the guy I think next season, he's going to need some decent, either backup or an alternative striker to be able to still be giving Harry Kane the opportunity to have a rest in between games, especially if Spurs do secure Europa League football. Yeah, I know. Look, it's, it's extraordinary, really. I don't think he really does get the credit he deserves. When the when the club put the tweet yesterday about, you know, his two hundredth club goal, Pal of mine who's also a Spurs fan retweeted it saying, One season wonder and I replied to that saying, Yeah, penalty and tapping merchant because those are the <laughs> things that everyone always says about Harry Kane. But if you watch him, it, look, I I, th I think not only can he score with both feet with his head, 
Um, he can drop deep. He's a great playmaker as well. You look at some of his assists over the years. Like, I always think back to that goal. It was a Delhi Alley's goal against Swansea when Harry Kane just sort of swiveled and hit this like 60-yard pass and landed it on the sixpence. Like, there's so much more to his game. For both club and country, he's been sensational. His work ethic is, I mean, any manager would kill for 11 Harry Canes because he's the first man at the training ground. He works his socks off. He's the last man to leave. You know, he's just, you know, an example of a proper professional who just gives it 100% the whole time. I love him to bits. And I genuinely think he will... Look, maybe I'm being naive, but I genuinely think he's a Stephen Gerrard. I think he's a one-club man. I cannot see him leaving Spurs. He's so happy, so settled. He's a family man. He's married to his childhood sweetheart. Yep. He's very happy where he is. I don't think he's got any desire to leave. But look, he does need competition. We do need a second striker. I don't think anybody's arguing with that. Raul Jimenez would be amazing. But I think he's probably like 50 million. And I think we're probably barking up the wrong tree there. I'd be interested to know everyone's opinion, Jack and Amy's and yourself, Ricky, as well. Like, quite often you can cherry pick players from the, the clubs that go down. So, of the strikers that could potentially be relegated this season from the Premier League, does anybody fancy, I don't know, Callum Wilson or well, Josh I mean, King from Callum Bournemouth Wilson or, or someone like Timu Puki, maybe? I mean, listen. Puki to know. me is maybe a championship striker, but I think Callum Wilson, Josh King of Bournemouth, mm. yeah. if they go down. I think Wesley at Aston Villa is a good striker, but he's just had an awful injury that's put him out for most of the season. Yeah. So, uh, interesting in everyone's thoughts on that. I think, like I say, you look at the teams that have gone down. I mean, for me, Grealish, a player, midfielder, I'd maybe look at him. Again, I think it looks like maybe Man United 100%. are very keen on him. I don't know, but I mean, I'd say a player... Wasn't there. there interest in us signing him at one point? Well, yeah, we know how close summer. that was. We, oh, Three million plus dot on him. The typical Levy classic deal that never came off. I mean, it's one of those things that for Spurs, how close have we been to so many players? We said here last week on the podcast, Bruno Fernandes. Oh, within five million of this guy... And, you know, we somehow let that transfer slip away. Yeah, he's a class act. I think Bruno Fernandes, with how good he's been for United yeah. uh, since, you know, signing in the January window, I think that maybe might mean that they don't need a Grealish now. Mm. So, yeah, I think Jack Grealish could be, you know, we could, we definitely could do with another 10, another sort of playmaker, because I'm not sure that's Lo Celso's natural position. Mm. But um, but a, a striker, first and foremost, yeah. you know, is what we need. Competition for Harry Kane, and as as Jack says, to give him a rest because he plays. Does he play? But he wants to play every game. Yeah, and he plays ninety minutes every game. A hundred percent. I want to come around to Amy in a second. Do a question for you here, Jack. This is from Jose Yin at Gary has a point. He says, in control of the game from start to finish against Newcastle. Restricted them to long-distance efforts. Only a goal to concede was another wonderful effort. Team is looking organised, comfortable, disciplined. The missing piece of the jigsaw is a playmaker. That's what Gary reckons. Who do you think is a realistic target for that? What do you reckon, Jack? I have to say, I'm not really sure that is our priority. I mean, we've got uh, Giovanni Lo Celso, you know, fantastic player who I think is going to real, really develop, really creative, and I think he's great. But we've also mentioned already, we've mentioned Deli Alley. You know, I think that's a sign of perhaps how far he's fallen, where we say, oh, we need a playmaker, we need a number 10. Well, we're meant to have one, are we? Isn't Deli Ali meant to be that player? And, uh, you know, I, I do really worry that, you know, that whether he is going to stay at the club long term, because he hasn't kicked on in, in the way we'd expect him to. So, yeah, but don't get me wrong, I think Jack Grealish is a good player, but I think Ali, on form, on his day, is one of the best players in the country and far better option than Grealish or even, you know, James Madison's been talked about uh, before. Uh, you know, Tom Campwell talking of players who will obviously be going down with relegated clubs. He, we've uh, been linked with him as well. Another really good creative little player. 
But I tell you what, you get the best out of Delhi Alley. You've got that playmaker. We've got a number 10 who can influence games better than anyone else in, in the Premier League on his day. So really, I think the priority's got to be focused on let's get him playing the way we know he can play. Yep. And let's look to strengthen the defence because, you know, as much as we've been positive, uh, you know, tonight on the show and as much as the last two games and, and the rest of the games since the restart have been positive and show positive signs of recovery in terms of defensive uh, defensiveness, we need we need to strengthen that area, and we we know we do not have the money uh, next season to you know fritter away, and well we haven't done for a very long time. But you know, look, if we're going to have a budget of even 30, 40 million, I'd splash that all on getting a, a full back in, getting a centre back in, sorting those positions out because I think we've got a wealth of attacking resources that if Mourinho gets them playing, um, that can you know give anyone a run for their money the next season. Yeah, two players I do want to mention, Toby Adevira and Harry Winks, both still unbeaten in Spurs teams since the restart. And uh, Con, obviously, Adevira's only come back in really in the last kind of two or three games, but I think he's come back into that defence, played really well. And you think for Toby, maybe when he wasn't being pitting those first couple of games since the restart, he's maybe sitting there thinking, well, hold on a second, I've just signed a, a new contract with the club, I'm not in the team. But I think he's come back and responded really well. Harry Winks, a player that I think for Spurs fans still very much divides opinion. Marmite player, I think that's what the word Amy used earlier, definitely a Marmite player. But one player, again, that, you know, We've had an update on from Jose Mourinho that isn't going to play again this season. And I think for Spurs fans, a lot of us disappointed. Tungi and Dembele. And coming around to you, Amy, you know, we spent £65 million on this guy. A club record signing. And again, indicative of where Spurs' recruitment has really failed in the last kind of 12 to 18 months. How disappointed, Ames, have you been in terms of not seeing the best of Ndombele? And what do you think needs to happen to try and get the best out of that player? Is it more you need from the player? Or does Mourinho need to maybe adapt his management style, which... I don't think it's quite likely. What do you reckon? I just don't really know what's going on there because obviously he's been disappointing because we haven't seen like much of him play. But from what little, like I think I've really enjoyed him. So I just I don't really know. Was there a talk about his fitness being a problem? That's been one of the key things, isn't it? I think the fitness and you know maybe his effort in training. I think with Mourinho Ames, I think he's a player that, you know, he wants you to give absolutely everything. And like you mentioned there about Lamella earlier and like the Celso where these players from the effort perspective are giving him everything. I yeah, think with London Belly, if you're not seeing that kind of week in, week out, especially on the training grounds, you're not in Mourinho's favourites. That's true, but then who's saying that, that that's factual? Like well, it that's, might a point. Take, that's a point. It's, it's hard to adapt. Like if you're yeah. coming from different clubs as Agreed. well, yeah. like mentally that will take on a player like to, to adapt to, yeah, a whole club. I, I don't know. Yeah, just imagine going to a foreign club. It's just, it's, it's daunting. I, I, I always think of it very like this. Um, and I know, obviously, they are professionals and they are paid to do a job. So you do have that element. But I don't know. Maybe he's not gelled yet. I don't, I don't For know. For you, you give him more time, like Ames. You, you give him more time. Yeah, you give it another I, season. And it annoys me sometimes how the fans are so quick to slag someone off. Like, look mm. at Musa Sissoko. 100% I love, agree. Yeah. I love Musa Sissoko. I listen to people, honestly, blow smoke up about him. And I think, hang on a minute, you couldn't have been horrible, more awful about him at, at the beginning. So, yeah. yeah, just I think sometimes we should give people so much stick. Yeah, no, I agree. I think a case is sometimes, again, as we keep mentioning the show, in terms of trusting the process. I mean, Jamie, coming around to you, where, where are you on London Ballet? Because when I heard the presser from Reno after the game... It's hard to kind of understand if that was a dig towards the player. He said, "I, it is important yeah. 
that the players are there to help the team. I know that Undenbele will not help us because his injury will keep him out for the next two matches. Now, again, it depends how you kind of paraphrase what he says there and how you read into it, whether he's saying he's not willing to help or he cannot help because he's injured. How did you take the words from Mourinho after that game? And what's your thoughts on Undenbele overall? Well, my thoughts on him overall are just that I think he has got the potential to be so good. And it terrifies me, the idea of us letting him slip through our fingers. And two years down the line, line Pep Guardiola signed him for Man City and he's the best midfielder on the planet. Or he's playing for Barcelona and he's single-handedly winning Champions Leagues for them. I honestly think he has got the potential to be so good and it... It scares me that we're considering letting him go and make potentially making a massive, massive mistake. Um, what Amy says, you know, I think you've got to be patient with some people. You know, yes, they're professional footballers who are paid a fortune, but they're also human beings at the end of the day. And uprooting your life, not speaking a word of English at the age of 21 and suddenly coming to a new country, you know, it takes time. And Musa Sissoko himself has come out and said, give Tangy some time because, you know, my first season, my first two seasons at Spurs, I wasn't playing to the standard that I know I can play at, but now I am. And, you know, I'm one of the fan favourites. Just the problem is we've seen this so many times with Mourinho in the past when he decides he doesn't like someone. Yep. Usually we know how it ends. It doesn't end well. well, Exactly. And he doesn't like passengers. And was it the Burnley game earlier this season or Norwich? Well, they all all sort of melt into one for me. But there's one game he came out afterwards and he was scathing about Burnley. Burnley. Burnley, Burnley, was it? And Jamie Carragher did some brilliant analysis on the Monday Night Football where he said he actually a point Mourinho because watch this he's walking great in possession yep. but when Spurs lose possession he's walking about he looks disinterested he looks unfit frankly and I thought that was some really good analysis and I just as I said I just hope we persevere with him I think if it was Mauricio Pochettino he'd persevere with me put the armour on Tony totally and his shoulder yeah. and eventually totally a year agree. down the line he'd get the best out of him yeah I, I totally agree with you Jamie. unfortunately I, think under- I figure that Mourinho might just be like nah you're not my sort of player see you later bye yeah. I think you're absolutely spot on there. I think for the man management of a player, it's so important. I think, unfortunately, I think he's just got the wrong manager there in terms of the way he's handled. And I think you've got to remember saying this was a Pochettino signing, not a Jose Mourinho signing. And, you know, let's make it clear, Undumbele signed for Pochettino. I think, you know, he gave him a presentation when he came up to Hotspur Way and he kind of showed him around the training ground. It was Pochettino that convinced him to sign. So when you're no longer playing yeah. for that manager, I think you have to take that... In, and in, also, massive consideration. you know, I, look, Ricky, Jose Mourinho is a world-class manager, yeah, obviously. He is. He's won everything in the game yeah, there is to win. So I'm not yeah. I'm not criticising Jose no. Mourinho, yeah. but how many players in the past has he just said, nah, don't fancy Well, we've seen it, haven't we? Well, Salah, I'll give you some. Mohamed Salah, Kevin yeah. De Bruyne, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and I just fear it could go the same way. Look, he decided he didn't fancy Kevin De Bruyne, and now he is uh, arguably the best footballer mm. or the best Salah's not, creative Salah's not bad either when he stays on his feet. And Salah's all right. He's all right. <laughs> he didn't do a job last night, though. No, he didn't. I mean, Bloody but hell. the thing is, you know always, never, ever rely on a team to be arsehole because it never happens. And we do it to us what? every single Their time. Their worst what? performance of the season, and it's against Bloody Well, of course Arsenal. it is. But Cheers, I've, Liverpool. But I've learned as a Tottenham fan, never, ever, ever rely on an opposing team that's got nothing in it for you to do you a favour for them. It's just never going to happen. So, <laughs> as fans, so we need to stop relying on other teams who do favours against Arsenal. It's not going to happen, guys. Don't do it to yourself. Just to finish up on Undenbele before we quick look ahead to Leicester. Coming around to you, Jack. You know, as Jamie mentions there, you know, Mourinho has got this habit of falling out with players and he makes his mind up on players very, very quickly if they've got a future. Do you think there's any way, over the course of the summer, 
into pre-season that Undumbele changes Mourinho's mind and this guy can be a star at Tottenham because I have to echo what you know Jamie says that for me I can see this guy going to a Bayern Munich, a Real Madrid, a Barcelona and absolutely ripping it up. I honestly believe that. I think he'll be world class under the right manager who manages him. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, you know, you mentioned Salah and De Bruyne. The, the player really that this has given me echoes of is Luke Shaw. And I have to say, I felt, you know, even when he was United manager, I felt really uncomfortable at times the way he dug out Luke Shaw publicly. Um, he went after him time and time again, publicly humiliated him. I don't think it's got to that point yet, but I do see echoes there. And I do see him making comments that are clearly aimed at him. Now, some people say, oh, look, he's trying to, you know, force him into action because... Look, as been mentioned before, I have seen him in games where he just looks like a passenger when he hasn't got the ball. He doesn't look like he's running around. And it looks even worse when you're playing up, you know, alongside Sissoko, Winks, Lacelso, who, you know, run themselves into the ground. I mean, Sissoko in particular, like, it just looks like he'll never ever run out of energy. So when you've got a player like that who doesn't look like he's putting the effort in, particularly off the ball, I think there is a problem. I mean, look, clearly he's got mountains and mountains of talent. I think the one thing that will work in our favour, you know, for everybody who wants him to stay at the club and unlock his potential, because I think he can do that. Um, again, as we've mentioned before, you know, financially, the world, uh, world of football is in a very, very different place to where, where we were six months ago. No one is going to pay £60 million for Ndombele and legally won't let him go for a penny under that. The only way he's going is if he goes out on some sort of a swap deal. It's been talked about, you know, going to Barcelona on loan or for a swap bringing in a couple of extra players um, on loan. I, I hope he doesn't. I, I hope he, he stays because I think, as everyone says, he's got bags of potential uh, and it will be absolutely gut-wrenching to see him go and succeed elsewhere. And I, I think he can succeed here. Um, you know, he's got all the talent in the world and he looks like, you know, if he really gets his act together, he could be the natural successor to Moussa Dembele. He plays on the ball just like him in a way. You know, it's beautiful to watch. But... He's, he look, he's got to up he's got to up his game he's got to convince Mourinho and I hope Mourinho gives him a chance because um, I think we'll come to regret if we don't I do agree I totally agree I think there's such a quality player in there but listen we're gonna go for our final break of the show and when we return we're doing a very very quick prediction on Leicester City on Sunday do not go anywhere we're back after this break and taking you into the break is Lee Chappie from the Leicester City podcast who will be talking his preview ahead of the game against Tottenham. The Opposition View. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, Leicester's summary for the season so far since the pandemic. Uh, not great, but I think we've been hit hard with our key players being out. No Ricardo Pereira before the pandemic, let alone afterwards, has really, really hurt us bad. He's probably one of our best players we have. Um, important part of the of the way that Rodgers has set up, I think. Ricardo Pereira down the wing, um, pulls the defenders out, gives creative freedom for Madison and Tillemans to do what they do for Vardy to score some goals. Without Ricardo, Vardy stopped scoring, to be fair. That's how we finished against Sheffield United. We won 2-0. And that's without Ben Chilwell, without James Madison, without Soyun Chu from the red card for Bournemouth. He's on a three-match ban. Ricardo Pereira's out, like I just said. And, uh, and Michael Brighton took a knock early door, so he's out as well. So if these players remain out for the fixture against Spurs, I am a little concerned because you are starting to get some form now since the Sheffield United uh, fixture. You've gone on to win a fair few games, including the Derby. Um, great result, by the way. Wink, wink. And 
if you look on the screens, if you are looking at the video, there's the the Leicester's potential lineup um, probably for the Spurs game for the clash. There's not really loads of quality on the bench. That's the problem with all the key players out. We've got Mendy on the bench, Hurst, uh, Matty James, Danny Ward in goal as a sub. You know, Dennis Pratt and Nacho two probably you know of our stronger players we have on the bench with Damari Gray and Chowdhury but it's the squad depth isn't the best you know and with no second we're gonna to have to play Wes Morgan at the back he's an aging centre-back um, but an exciting young Luke Thomas debuted against Sheffield United and he played phenomenally well uh, covering sort of Ben Chilwell's role so it could still be a good game but by looking at the screen we've got Vardy up top with Harvey Barnes and Perez on the right Tillemans in the middle of Ndidi as a holding role James Justin and Thomas supporting the Evans and Bennett on left and right with Morgan in the middle and Casper in goal. That's probably how the lineup's going to be again against Spurs because it was a very strong side against Sheffield United. And I'm going to go with Leicester to win because we need to win. It's not, it's like a cup final. We've got to win. Got to. Because Champions League football is an absolute must, lads. It really is. Champions League football is an absolute must for Leicester City. Massive amount of money for the club. And um, it's just important to secure Europe, European football. You could ruin it for us. You could ruin it for us. But I'm going to go for a Leicester win. I'm going to go for a Leicester 2-1 win against you guys. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, just hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Lee underscore Chappie. I'm also on YouTube as well. Go and find me out on there. Thank you. See you later, guys. The Opposition View. Hello and welcome to the final segment of The Last Word on Spurs. Now we've got Leicester City to come on Sunday. Before we get into that quick preview, just want to read out here a statement from Giuseppe Alberto who says on Sergioria, when I see that Sergioria asked Jose to play, that shows that the locker room is in a good place. It also shows the team believes in Jose and what he's trying to do. Massive respect to Sergioria for playing. And again, I think we echo those thoughts on Sergioria thoughts are with him and his family on behalf of the whole team here at the last word on Spurs we are recording on the back of an evening where Leicester City have actually just beaten Sheffield United 2-0 as they are in the race for Champions League football and what was very interesting after the game was in the post-match press conference with manager Brendan Rodgers is that he confirmed that Ben Chilwell James Madison and Christian Fuchs will miss the rest of the season due to injury and again you look at that for Tottenham a massive opportunity now for Spurs to actually play against a depleted Leicester City side in the battle for Europa League football. Leicester are going to yeah. take the game to us. They're going to need to win it because obviously they're looking to secure Champions League football. And you feel the way Spurs set up in terms of playing on the counter, this could really play into Jose Mourinho's hands in terms of the way Leicester's approach will be for this game. Yeah, that's true. You know, <laughs> I know we've mentioned it a few times this evening, but that's a monstrosity at Bournemouth last week. Bournemouth were very content to get 10 men behind the ball and just make us do all the work and try to break them down. And we couldn't do it. And we looked a bit clueless at times about doing it. But you're right. Leicester are now in a three-way fight for two places in the Champions League. And um, they're going to have to take the game to us. They're going to have to, you know, we, we know about the pace of Jamie Vardy and the creativity of James Madison. But they were kind of, they've won tonight against Sheffield United, but they were kind of in free fall before that. And I don't know if any of you watched the performance against Bournemouth at the weekend, but that was just shambolic. And like Johnny Evans, what was he doing for a couple of those Bournemouth goals? Uh, they just looked as if, I mean, it's been a season of two halves for them because before Christmas, they looked unstoppable and they were just, you know, Madison and Barnes and Vardy, they were just they were tearing up trees and they were beating every team comfortably. Um, and since then, what well, they haven't had a single away win, I think, since then, or maybe not even an away point. I'm probably wrong there. Um, so 
I think they're there for the taking. I think since the restart, they've been very poor. Yes, they dug out a, a you know a win today against Sheffield United. Who else did they beat? Villa was it, and um, a point against the Arsenal. But they're there for the taking, and and I really you know I I understand why some people get a bit sniffy and snobby about the Europa League because we're used to being a Champions League team for the last four or five years. But I, I'm desperate to be in the Europa League next season I think it's a really good chance to win a trophy as I've already said um, so let's hope we can get the three points against Leicester on Sunday push on and get another three points at Sellers Park the weekend after and um, and secure a European spot Yeah I've got to agree with you Jamie that for me I, I, I've never really understood the notion that Europa League is above us and listen of course Spurs as a club you look at that stadium they're made for Champions League the players in this team some of them are made for Champions League so of course, I want Champions League, but that's not an option. I still want to be in Europe. I still want to be able to see Spurs as many times as I can. And Europe gives that an option for more games. And I think, you know, Ames coming around to you, you look at the recent record for Spurs, you know, recording four wins and a draw in the last six matches. And now we're just at a point adrift of Wolves ahead of the two remaining games. How important is it for you, Ames, to see Spurs qualify for Europe? Is it an important thing for you? Or would you not be too... Worried or apprehensive or concerned if Spurs didn't make Europe? Is it the be and end all for you? No, 100%. Of course, you want to qualify. Um, like I said as well, being able to see them play more. And I think they really deserve it. Like the quality of players we have, it's, it, would just, it would be such a shame. But I'm hopeful. Like I'm really hopeful. And I think we're going to do well this week. Keeping fingers crossed. We do know Deli Ali as things stand with him. Obviously, he missed a fourth match of a hamstring problem. He could return for Leicester on Sunday. We'll know more when Jose Mourinho holds his press conference later on this week. Question here from Tottenham Loyal over to you, Jack. He says, what changes would you make to the starting lineup, or would you keep it the same for the final two games? And obviously this first one against Leicester. Thoughts? Yeah, I think, I, well, I quite like to see Bergwijn come into the side for Lucas probably, but I think that would probably be my only change really. I think, you know, uh, Mourinho does like settled sides. It, you know, breeds confidence, offers a little bit more defensive stability. I can't really see any major changes ahead of that, other than, as I say, that's what Bergevin in for Lucas. So, yeah, I think we'll set up in the same way. We want to keep a winning run going. And uh, as Jamie says, you know, bar, barring the result uh, tonight against uh, Sheffield United, Leicester have been really, really poor for the last few games. So, whilst we must take nothing for granted, of course, but um, there's a lot for us to play for as well as they. Now, Jack, we've got a lot of questions in here. We're going to quickly finish up with some of these listener questions. This one is from Spark Debate at Spark Debate One, who says, "Can Winks and Sissoko actually be cornerstones of a rebuild, or do we need to rebuild the midfield too?" Question mark. Both have flashed, but it's clearly not a winning pivot. Is Holberg enough for you? I think really highly of uh, Sissoko and Winks. I think they're both really key players. I think. The one thing I'd say about both of them is that they don't offer a lot going forward, really, in terms of goals, in terms of assists. Um, I think they're both incredibly important, and particularly for the big games where we need uh, two slightly uh, defensive, more uh, sorry, slightly more defensive midfielders. I think they're going to be really key. I think Holderberg's going to be, you know, a decent player to come in. Um, I think it remains to be seen whether he's the kind of player to really push us on to the next level. Um, but as I say, my priority really over some would be strengthening that defence. If we've got 30, 40 million, that's where we need to be spending it. Um, I think we've got the talent in in central midfield and moving for forward. And, and just to also finish, I mean, uh, sorry for plugging yet another young player. but no, you know, please do, player, please do. We need to hear uh, 
Yeah, absolutely. I think a player I'm desperate to see more of next season is Oliver Skip. You know, he's not going to be uh, a new face on the scene for many Spurs fans. He's been in and around the squad for a, a little while now. But look, he hasn't had many minutes at all this season. And, you know, if we are going to be playing more Europa League football next season, they are fantastic games for players like him, Harvey White, Sirkin to really start getting the teeth into the first team. And let's not forget, that's really the place where Harry Kane first started really making a name for himself. Uh, for Spurs right at the beginning. It was in those Europa League games where he started really making his mark on, on you know, the first team. So that's where I'm hopeful we'll see players like Oliver Skip, Sirkin, uh, Harvey White and obviously Troy Parrott and maybe even players like Janil Bennett as well seeing a few minutes next season. One player you haven't mentioned that I want to ask you about very quickly, Jack, time's pressing against us, is Ryan Sessignon. There's been no indication of an injury. A player that we spent a lot of money on in the summer. I mean, what do you think the future holds for this young? Does he need a loan or do you want to see Mourinho slowly but surely integrate him into this team? And would you like to see him maybe get a couple of starts in these upcoming games? I think the big problem that Sessegnon's got is that, you know, it's a bit like when Danny Rose first came to school, wasn't it? You know, he, he was marked down as a left winger um, but couldn't quite get in the team, didn't quite have the, the turn of pace that we probably need then. And he slowly moulded himself into a, a really good left-back. And I think that's where they see Ryan Sessegnon's long-term future is at left-back. For for whatever reason, it hasn't really worked out this season. So, look, I'd love to see him get more chances next season. I think he's got a real tough time to try and get in a real crowded kind of attacking midfield area. Got a bit more chance at left back, but look, if he isn't going to get minutes, or if players like Oliver Skip aren't going to get minutes next season, then absolutely, I'd much rather see him turn out for a decent side in the Premier League, getting minutes under their belt, and then they'll come back far better players next season. I think the big mistake we made with players like Kyle Walker Peters over the last few years is that we didn't loan them out, we didn't give them regular minutes, and they stalled as a result. So I'm desperate to, for him to get minutes, whether it's at the club or somewhere else. The other player I'll just really quickly mention as well, because I think it's important, is Jack Clark, um, yep. lying at the moment at QPR. That is a really worrying situation. When we signed him, he was doing, you know, one of the next big, big things, you know, turning in, in, uh, week in, week out for Leeds at the time. As soon as that transfer happened, it, it just didn't happen for him. He struggled getting back into the Leeds side. I think dropped down to the under-23s there. He's since been loaned out to QPR. And again, he, he's struggling to get in that side. Um, whereas, you know, uh, Luke Amos, another good young Spurs player, is out on loan and getting regular minutes there. So, you know, a bit concerning what's happened there. And I hope something can get sorted out for him because, um, you know, we'd hate to see his talent go to waste as well. Yeah, fantastic. Look at that. Great review there from Jack in terms of the youth at Tottenham. We are going to be bringing you, definitely over the summer, an update on the youth and where things are standing with that from the brilliant guys over at Lily White Rose. It's been an absolute pleasure there from Jack. We're going to get his prediction in just a second. Well, Turn back round to you just for a final question here, Jamie. This is from Garrett van der Meder, who says, if we actually make signings this summer, off-season, what positions do you see us strengthening and who do you see us selling? Very quickly, if you can give us your answer on that, that'd be great. Well, I'm slightly different to Jack, who, who clearly thinks we need to strengthen defence. I think if you get in a proper out-and-out defensive midfielder, then they can protect the defence. I think we've got enough in Eric Dyer, who's obviously finding his feet as a centre-back, but I think he's got the potential to be a very good centre-back. Davinson Sanchez, Toby Alderweireld, The Rock, who just keeps everyone calm. Jaffa Tanganga emerging. I think there's enough strength there. Ben Davis can obviously do a job at centre-back as well. But if you have a holding midfielder in front of them who can just protect them, do the job that N'Golo Kante did the season that Leicester and Chelsea won the Premier League, 
you know, do the job that Ndidi was doing for Leicester earlier this season. You know, look at look at every successful club. They've got a proper out and out holding midfielder. I love Harry Winks. I love Musa Sissoko, but they're kind of square pegs and round holes. Yeah. And if if Jose Mourinho thinks Pierre Emil Hoiberg's the answer to holding midfielder, great. I think he's a decent player. You know, again, I'd look at some of the clubs going down. Um, I think Jefferson Lerma at Bournemouth is a really good holding midfielder and tenacious and a kind of Mourinho-style player. I don't know if there's ever been any talk about him. Or do I even suggest, I'm going to make myself very unpopular with Spurs fans here, but do I even suggest Declan Rice if West Ham goes well, down? Good player, you know, good could, player, could, Jamie could, Berger. Could, could yeah. he cross London? Yeah. You know? um, so I, I think an out-and-out defensive midfielder is what we need. Um, a right-back is what we need as well. But as to whether we get them, who knows? Um, it, as I said, it, it's going to be a summer where there's very few transfers. You're look, people are out there looking for bargains. In terms of who leaves, I think a lot of people, again, out alone. Uh, Ryan Session's a mystery because I really think he is the potential to be such a good player, but he needs mm. to get some games under his belt. And whether that's away from Tottenham, who knows? Kyle Walker-Peters, will he still, still be a Spurs player? We've spoken about Juan Foyt. Um, I think there'll be a lot of people going out alone. Uh, but as regards players leaving the club permanently, it might just be people coming to the end of their contracts, people like Jan yeah. Vertonghen. Mm. And it will be with a heavy heart that I see Jan go because he's given us some great years. But, you know, you don't buy the notion, Jamie, for you. You don't buy the notion that Spurs are going to have to sell a couple of maybe key players, dare I say the likes of someone like Deli Alley, to fund this kind of rebuild that, you know, is always talking about Spurs. It's not a player that you would move on. <sighs> ah. I mean, I know no, no. about Delhi earlier. I, I, I still think Delhi has so much potential and so much mm. to give. He's 23, and people yeah. forget that. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, he's had a couple. Yeah. He's probably had a difficult 18 months, but come yeah. on, the guy's a class act. Mm. Um, let's persevere with him and give him some time. It pisses me royally off when I see some Spurs fans turning on Delhi Alley and saying, ah, he's fucking useless. And get I rid love of him. Because Alley. he's not. He's not. He's so good. Just let's come on. Let's remember the Delhi Alley of three seasons ago, not the Delhi Alley of the last season. I can see Amy's no way letting him out the door. She's grabbing him by the legs. There's no way Delhi Alley's leaving his no. football club yet. <laughs> Amy. No, everyone is just give him a break. He was injured. He... Yeah. He was injured. Just yeah, let him just, let him just fit back in. It will all work out. Everybody else needs to all fit in as well. Just yes. give everyone some time. Yeah, other than I mean, that's I mean, one the message is the trust in the process. Oh, yeah, go go for it, Jack. Go for it. Well, no, I was just going to say. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the other guys think. I mean, if we, if let's say we do stick with this four four two next season, you know, let's presume you know Son and Kane are the the starters. Uh, I mean, where, where, how do you think that midfield will look next season? I mean, if you've got a situation where you've got, you know, bringing Holdberg in next season, you know, where does Sissoko, Winks, all those mm. players for essentially one more position? And I mean, if you've got a good defensive midfielder in there, yep. you're not playing Winks, you might not be playing Sissoko unless you shove him out onto the right wing. Um, so, you know, there's going to be a lot of competition for places for that one centre midfielder spot um, if you do bring in uh, someone like Holberg, who, look, granted, I think is a really, really good top player. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's not going to be many people happy that they're going to be sitting on the bench week in, week out. No, that, I mean, that's one of the things, isn't it? See how Mourinho manages this team over the summer. Before we discuss the summer and what's to come in future pods, let's do predictions ahead of this Leicester City game. Amy, we're going to start with you. You've been nice and positive on this show, trusting the process, giving it time. Are we having another win to talk about? What do you reckon? Yeah, 3-1, isn't it? 3-1? Yeah. See what this Tottenham yeah, team three, does one. to you. 3-1. <laughs> Is Harry going to be amongst three, the goals one. again, Amy? Who are you going for the goal scorers? Yeah, Harry, Harry and... 
Oh, <laughs> I want Musa. <laughs> nah, Musa. A, a cheeky one from Musa. <laughs> okay, we're waiting for Sissoko, aren't we, again? God, that Burnley game feels such a long time ago now. Musa Sissoko on the score sheet. Right, let's come back round to you there, Jack. What are you going for ahead of this game against Leicester? Won't be easy. Amy's going 3-1. What are you going? Yeah, I think we'll go one, one goal down pretty soon, but then we'll sneak in a 2-1. I'm going to be positive. And... Um, I think as we've slagged them off tonight, uh, for the lack of goals, I think we'll go Lamella and Winks. Why not? There you go. Two of the Marmite players, Lamella and Winks, both scoring goal. Wouldn't that be a decent coupon to get at Paddy Power? I'm not sure what the odds are on that, but you've got a set up there from last world on Spurs. Jamie, come around to you. Prediction, final one for this one. What are you going to go for in terms of Leicester City? I think it's going to be a really solid defensive display. Leicester are there for the taking. 2-0. Sonny's going to get the first. And then Ben Davis is going to lace one in. <laughs> 30 yards. Straight into the top corner. Kasper Schmeichel. No chance. See you later. 2-0. Europa League. Here we come. I love it. I love it. I mean, to be fair to Ben, he couldn't have got any closer from that strike against Arsenal. So, so unlucky. God, that would have been a goal. That would have, let's like say, would have been up there with, it was a screamer, with, wasn't it? with Danny Roses, yeah. wouldn't it, if he would have got that one? But I think Ben, like I say, has come back in a team. Reliable, dependable. Yes, he doesn't obviously offer a huge amount of pace, but you you can't argue that a player that does give absolutely everything. Again, it's a debatable position where it needs an upgrade. But, God, we could save that all for the summer to come. Jamie, been an absolute pleasure having you back on the show. We'll keep our eyes grilled for Sky Sports News and his transfers. Yeah, great to be back. Thanks for having me again. And, yeah, thanks for, you know, a really positive hour and a half. I'm we, we bouncing now. We, we try. Uh, we <laughs> definitely try. It's therapy. It works. We're going to do the quadruple next season. Well, there you go. But you told us we can't go for the title, though, yet. Calm ourselves nah, down. Nah, nah. No title. <laughs> but we're going for the quadruple instead. See what this show does to you? Incredible. Brilliant. They, always, they are always giving you that false hope, aren't they? That's Tottenham yeah, for you. It's the, hope, it's the hope that kills you. 100%. Definitely. Jack, coming around to you. It's been great talking to you about the youth at Tottenham. Obviously, what's to come? Thank you for coming back on the show. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, love being back on, Ricky. I think we said before I came on tonight that the last time I was on was uh, in the days following the Champions League final last oh, year. So, um, yeah. yeah, blimey, a lot's happened since then, right? But um, I think that one we... Uh, we called the therapy session, didn't we, at the yeah. time? And yeah. in a small way, it might only have been uh, Newcastle and whatever, but I, I feel more buoyant than I have been uh, for a little while about Spurs again. So, no, thanks for having me on. I really oh, enjoyed it. But a pleasure to have you here, Jack. Really has. And what a debut from the wonderful DJ in the house, Amy Lauren. Amy, thank you so much for coming on. been a real pleasure having you on. Oh, thank you. Finally, it's been a long time coming. Oh. <laughs> Amy, tell us, where can we steer people towards some of the great stuff you do in terms of DJ and stuff? Where can we steer them? We're going to steer them to your Twitter head account, over... obviously. Where else can we steer them to? Yeah, head over to my website, djamylauren.com. Always uploading mixes oh, and brilliant. Stuff, music stuff, Tottenham music stuff. <laughs> getting ready to kick off. Listen to DJ Amy Lauren. That is the way forward. Yes. You might see Amy, hopefully. Please, God, when we all get back in that stadium, Amy will be there. So... Go and check yes, out some wonderful content. Amy, thank you so much. It's been a wonderful debut. Thank you for so much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, brilliant. Well, listen, guys, we are back on Sunday talking straight after the game against Leicester. Keep safe. Keep well. And as always, come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.